What's the meaning of all this? Crucifixion, burial, resurrection. Why are there three days? Why did he stay in the ground for a whole day? For more than a day. On the second day, Jesus is dead. God isn't watching. What does that mean? It means that if God doesn't see sin, there is no sin. This is Ben Flanagan with AL.com here in Tuscaloosa reporting for the entertainment team here statewide. And there's a special event happening in Tuscaloosa this Saturday, July 11th at Druid City Brewing Company here in Tuscaloosa that I encourage people to go check out. It's a screening of the brand new short film from Huntsville filmmaker Ben Stark, who's based there in the Rocket City, and from writer Jeremy Burgess, who happens to be a freelance entertainment writer for AL.com for the sake of transparency, and also for the sake of transparency, Ben Stark is joining me now, and I should note that I know Ben Stark, and we often collaborate on film podcasts for filmnerds.com for my own podcast, Aspect Radio, which you can check out on iTunes, and Ben, I just I, I've seen this film Dead Saturday. Your your brand new short film. It's it's one of many shorts that you have directed, and and one of the first ones that you haven't written, I believe. And that was definitely a big change for you. I was at the premiere in Huntsville at Straight to Ale Brewing Company, and it was a really fun event. Very well attended. Cast and crew were present, and you were able to say a few words during a Q and A to the crowd. But that's one thing I wanted to ask you specifically that I didn't get a chance to is what was it like this time to direct something that you did not write, ideas that did not come straight from your head, something that you had to interpret? And I know that you're a co-writer on this, but the script was brought to you. So what kind of change did you see as a director this time? Um, well, it's actually something that I was seeking out um, because I, I just really – want to when you're making movies um you know on your weekends when you're in your time off when it's not the primary thing that you're spending 100 percent of your time on um i just got to a point where i needed to choose exactly what i was going to be best at and uh, directing is um the thing i love doing and uh, telling stories visually through performance and blocking and things like that that's really that's really the the focus of um what i well that's what i wanted to focus on so um I uh when I talked to Jeremy originally um he uh he had this idea um and it was a very different idea um uh it was basically uh when when he had the idea it was just the idea of you know uh uh a person that believes in the Bible thinking that you know uh, uh on the day between Good Friday and Easter that they can commit whatever sins because uh Jesus is kind of dead um so that idea uh developed into a, a couple of different ideas for scripts um and we actually the way we worked is he would he he wrote the first draft and kicked it over to me and then we I kicked it back to him and we just kind of did revisions um and then uh in that process we would get to a stopping point and say Let's let's see what's not working here. Um, and we did that at least one major time and, and changed, you know, basically everything. Uh, and then eventually we got to the point where uh, the person interpreting the uh, this idea is uh, a young person. And that's when that's when the current iteration of the movie really took off. Is when we realized, okay, uh, this is a confused young man. This isn't 
some criminal looking for, you know, justification that this is actually uh, a, a teenager or a young person that's sincere in his beliefs and just is misunderstood or has been kind of, you know, led the wrong way or, or um, led to believe the wrong thing. Um, so, yeah, it really is. It really is a co-writing thing. But like you said, it's not an idea that I had. Um, and it's something I experimented with a little bit on another short that I made before this one called Frankenstein's Master, um, which is um, I I had the idea for that. I was reading Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and um, there were several several lines and several scenes in that book that really stood out as um, potentially cinematic. Um, so basically what I did is I, I bookmarked my favorite parts and then copy and pasted the dialogue into a story. Um, into a scene, and it's just one scene. And I, you know, I maybe I wrote some additional dialogue. It did my very best to uh, write in the voice of Mary Shelley, which, uh, you know, who knows if that really worked or not. But uh, you know, just to kind of stitch some things together. Um, but it was a it was a really fun process. To uh, for me, the most frustrating part of creation is is a blank page. Um, and, uh, I, I have a lot more fun when I'm bouncing ideas off of other people or when I'm, you know, when I've got a few ideas written down and I just have to kind of move them around. So it's, it's, I, I guess I, I kind of started the process wanting to just quit screenwriting entirely, but now I've gotten to the point where it's, no, I, I do like doing it. I just, I, I, I'm not a good person at coming up with the raw materials, if that makes any sense. Well, regardless of whether you're writing your movie or not that you happen to be directing, I, I feel like I notice themes in the work that you do, and one of those happens to be loopholes, and that's something that is prevalent throughout Dead Saturday, and interpretation or misinterpretation or turning the, the society norms and rules on their heads. And I think those are things you notice in your feature film, Nocturnal Third, also Frankenstein's Master, and especially here in Dead Saturday, are those are those things that you think about when you're not making movies? Is that what attracts you to projects like these? Absolutely. Um, maybe maybe it's because I work in communications, or maybe it's because I'm a bad communicator in general. But I find that interpretation, misinterpretation, um, they're so they're so subjective. Um, and uh, you know, there there are Christian themes in this film, and if you talk about you know, you talk to one Christian about any particular hot topic, uh, they're going to have a completely different take and interpretation of, you know, the Bible or whatever uh, than the next person. Um, and, and you get it across uh, all of humanity. You know, you, there's there's language barriers, but then it, within a language, within a dialect, within a specific region, there's uh, totally different ways that people look at things. And, and it really it boils down to how our individual heads work. Um, and that's something that even science doesn't really quite understand of, of, you know, what makes certain neurons fire and do other things. And so it, it's this, um, the, the subjectivity of it all, it really is, is what draws me to it. And I think that that's what movies do best is that they give perspective. They, they let you see from the eyes, uh, you know, inside the head of somebody that's completely different from you. Uh, so that you can uh, live out in their shoes and struggle with things the way that you struggle with. And the things that some of us don't struggle with, you know, like our lives are 
probably pretty easy. But there's, you know, movies that allow us to um, see struggles that to us, you know, don't, you know, seem like over overwhelming things uh, to other people they are. Um, so, yeah, it's it's something that um, I, I'm drawn to uh, that idea, and I'm, I'm drawn to characters that are able to stand outside of all that, or at least think they do, um, and, you know, assess the world and, and assess the way the world works uh, well, based you, on their own understanding. Yeah, and you mentioned the Christian element to this movie, or at least the Christian text that is featured, inter- interpreted, or misinterpreted by these main characters. You are a an outspoken Christian. You've been public with your beliefs, and I'm curious about how your belief system sort of shaped the way that you approached and and directed this movie. There's a there's definitely a sense of empathy, I think, from your voice as it relates to these characters. But I'm curious with that belief system. You can't categorize this movie, I don't think, as a quote unquote Christian film. But there is that again deep empathy that I feel like you have with these characters who are experiencing troubled times. Yeah, I mean, that's something that Jeremy and I talked a lot about, and, and Kirk Krauss, the lead actor, we talked a lot about that, too, um, is just that <clears throat> that feeling, that frustration of of reconciling, you know, your feelings, reconciling your thoughts, which are totally different than your feelings, and reconciling all of those things with the world around you, with what people are telling you, um, with what people are expecting of you. Um, and uh, Jeremy and I got kind of specific with, you know, just being in in – the Southern church youth group kind of culture that, uh, that a few of us kind of grew up in. There's, there's that weird thing where, um, you know, you're being told to believe things that, um, you want to believe, uh, and then you, but you're not necessarily encouraged to look at them in, in entirely critical ways, um, which is kind of unfair. And I don't think it's a very fair thing to ask of young people or children, you know, is to say, Here's something complex. Think about it. Don't think about it too much because we're scared you're not going to like it, you know, or you're you're going to run away from it. Um, so there's that's something that I think there's a there's a fear that that kind of trickles down and affects um, young people, kids, and 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 uh, those of those people that aren't afraid to say they haven't got it all figured out. I think a lot of us, when we become adults, we we kind of, you know, we, we deal in the capital of certainty uh, and knowing what we know. Um, and I think if a lot of us are honest with ourselves, we don't know what we know. And uh, if we're even more honest, we can admit that that's, not, that's okay. Um, so, the, but, but coming into that world of certainty as a young person, when you have done, uh, I, I remember that being really scary, and I mean, it's even scary in adulthood sometimes. I mean, I think every Christian has crises of faith every now and then. I think every atheist probably does too. Um, and, you know, there are times when, when you have to kind of – the only way that you're going to come come uh, through that is by looking hard uh, into your uh, into your heart and into your mind and, and doing some, some good homework and talking to people that you respect and admire and that are smart. Uh, and, and working through things like that. So I think that um, uh, that was definitely uh, uh, an empathy that I felt there. Um, and it's something that I feel like, you know, I, I agree that, you know, from a marketing perspective, this can't be labeled a Christian film. But, um, you know, 
I, the way I kind of look at it is, uh, you know, a plumber that is a Christian does, you know, does the best job he can, hopefully. Um, uh, so I guess he installs Christian toilets, you know? So I, I, that's kind of how I look at it. It's a craft person kind of, uh, thing, um, where if you, uh, you know, if, if God gave you talents to, to, to use, it's your responsibility to use them well so that he's represented properly. Um, and I think that that's, that's, that's something that sometimes doesn't happen in Christian films in terms of script, in terms of theme, in terms of, um, you know, um, artistic elements like that. Uh, Christian movies usually have, you know, perfectly in-focus shots, um, have, you know, decent music and, uh, you know, have good basic film grammar, but uh, they don't necessarily go above and beyond that to really dig into uh, what movies are really supposed to do. You know, movies are not just products. Movies are, um, again, devices for for empathy, for understanding, for um, uh, for wrestling with with hard topics and hard issues. So um, I think it's up to Christians to do that as well as they can rather than to skirt that responsibility. Well, the issues and themes in this movie, they seem like a lot to fit into the short format. And you're somebody who has directed a feature, you've produced a feature, but you've made several shorts. It seems like a format that you're very comfortable with and and one that you want to keep exploring as a filmmaker, as an artist. Why is it a well that you continue to go back to so that you can flex that artistic muscle? And what about these themes and this project in particular was suitable for the format? Yeah, it's it's something where it's tough because if I'm – if I would say, you know, 60% of my motivation for working in shorts is because it, they are cheaper than features. Um, it is because they uh, are accessible. You know, if it's a well that I'm going to – it's because the well is outside my front door, you know, rather than the feature well, which is far away and, and expensive to get to. And honestly, I don't even know the way to get to that particular well, um, if if I just destroy that analogy. Um, so, um, but yeah, but there's, there is there is a form there that, you know, after college, I, I wanted to abandon shorts. Um, but thankfully, um, the Internet has kind of... Uh, really breathe new life into short film. Um, sites like Vimeo. I mean, if you go to Vimeo, they do these staff picks. Um, and every day you can go and there's a new staff pick. And it's a new brilliant short film that somebody is, um, uh, you know, has poured their heart and soul into and totally done something new and interesting with cinema. And if you think about the roots of, of movies themselves, uh, you think about, the Buster Keaton short films or Charlie Chaplin or George Millier. And, uh, you know, it's where, it's where we all started, uh, you know, and it's where it's always good to go back to roots, go back to beginnings and really, um, get granular with what you're trying to do, um, with, with your work. Um, and so in this, in this situation, it was, it, it, it's an idea that could kind of become a feature potentially, um, but really the the root of this concept is is in is it can be boiled down to the one conflict that we explore in the movie, which is this young man, this misunderstanding of this theory, 
uh, and his con his confronting with the guy that put the theory in his head unknowingly. Um, and then we have a separate character who's kind of seeing it all happen. So that, that can be boiled down into one scene. So really, you know, if, if, if it never became a feature film, you've still got everything you need right there. And, and I see feature films a lot where I'm, I kind of wonder, you know, does this, would, what if this was just a short film? Um, what, what if, what if it just kind of worked better as that? Um, and unfortunately there's not a distribution, there's not an exhibition, um, industry out there for it really, uh, where it can be monetized. So it's, it's tough to expect that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's just like the, the strength of a short story versus the strength of a novel. Um, you can pack a lot more punch. Um, and you can maybe get some stuff in uh, that people are going to pay attention to that they might not sit down, you know, to, to explore in a, in a feature film. Well, and also I think most people, when they think of movies, they think feature films. And, and I, short films are, are not as mainstream, obviously, if, if they're mainstream at all, even though you have these networks with a global reach who broadcast the Oscars handing out awards to live action and animated shorts. So there is an awareness, I think, that short films are being made. But when you're making one and you're assembling a crew and you're assembling actors and auditioning for the right performances, how do you get the crew, the casting crew that you have who may not be as familiar with short work in the format itself, how do you get them to buy in? Um, I think, uh, I mean, that's, that's probably more of a question for some of them. But, uh, you know, we, the script, I mean, I think, I think it's the concept, the script, and hopefully, um, you know, Jeremy and myself came across as pretty nice guys that were fun to work with. Um, I mean, he, he has a body of work. Uh, I have a body of work and I think that, I, mean, I like to think that those, you know, contributed to it a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that if, if you're out there and if you're, presenting yourself as a professional person that wants to make a good thing um, and has all his ducks in the row. Um, if you've got a, if you've got a really great idea that you're, you're showing people, then people are going to come on board. Um, and we had several people that um, there's actually a, a moment uh, in the production where we lost our location because the church we were going to film at um, uh, several board members at the church uh, felt that the subject matter was offensive. So I, try to do my due diligence to present my case. Um, and in doing so, I solicited opinions from the crew that we've gathered so far on, look, do you guys, if you, if you are of this belief system, do you find it offensive? If not, you know, why not? And what drew you to the project? Did, did that have anything to do with it? And I got back several very personal and, and enlightening um, notes from, from my, my crew. And it was, it was a really great moment where you, you see the kind of BS of the auteur theory that the director is the the only voice behind the movie. Um, no, no, there's there's a there's a chorus behind every movie. Uh, you know, the director is there to give it uniformity and, and unity. But uh, but no, I feel there's people on the, the cast and crew of this movie that have that you know hold up the message of the film uh, as much if not more than me. Well, in any local production like this, or any production generally, to get 
exposure to to gain awareness to to get people to see your movie you you often need to get somebody people can identify that are associated with this movie so that you can market it you can advertise it and you can just again generally get eyes on the project you happen to do that by landing an Oscar nominated actor a veteran a longtime veteran from the industry in Eric Roberts and I think that will obviously be one of the first things people notice if they see the trailer if they hear about the film, look at the IMDb, IMDb page, see the poster, Eric Roberts is in this movie. So you you got a name actor to appear in this film, and I'm interested, obviously, in how you did that, how, how a production like this, even a short film like this, how you were able to accomplish that. And, and you shouldn't just get any actor just because, why was Eric Roberts right for this project? We had a list of, uh, I mean, that was one of our goals. Uh, after uh, when Jeremy, Jeremy and I first started talking about the project, well, the first goal was make a good movie. Um, the second goal was to work with name talent because um, that's something that I've wanted to, to do for, for a few projects now. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process that kind of frightened and intimidated me, and I was like, well, it's, it's about time to you know, get over that. Um, and then um, also for those reasons that you mentioned, for visibility, um, we knew that you know you're immediately going to get a bit of a buy-in with your audience if if there's something they can they can identify with or they can you know you can sell them on violence or you can sell them on nudity you can sell them on genre elements like that or you can sell them on a recognizable face and I mean you know we don't have a ton of those other things uh, so. We knew that this was uh, this would be the kind of way to go, and and it was a serious role that we needed to have a certain amount of weight and gravity in, um, and we felt like that would be a useful uh, a useful tool in kind of uh, communicating the movie. So we had this list of of actors with of character actors, um, all of them having to do or kind of either being from or doing a lot of work in the South. Um, because we wanted it to have that texture. Uh, and uh, so we presented this list to a local casting director of, uh, it's actually Ayoka Billions of Hollywood Huntsville. Um, and she she's a, she was a working casting director in L.A., and she's a working casting director now in, in our area. She's always, um, you know, picking people up and, and, um, and casting and helping them get cast in uh, shows like Nashville or The Walking Dead. Um, so... She had an end to the side of the industry that neither Jeremy and I or I did. You know, we, if we had written these people personal letters, we wouldn't have had much to stand on. Um, but she she went through the, the established, the long-established process of submitting to, to casting directors or, or agents, rather. And um, we got a list back of people that were interested um, based on the script, based on the schedule, uh, based on the pay, I'm sure. Um, and... Uh, and then we, from that list, decided um, who was right for uh, the part. Um, uh, there were people that were on our initial list that were on that list, too, and uh, for, you know, scheduling reasons or just we talked about it a little bit more, and it just wasn't as good of a pick um, as Eric Roberts, who was uh, born in Georgia. And uh, he, when we were kind of thinking about it, I watched his movie, um, Runaway Train with John Boyd, the movie he was nominated for an Oscar for. And the role that he plays in that movie is very similar to the role that our lead actor, Kurt Krauss, was going to play in uh, in Dead Saturday. Um, so I thought, you know, there's some really nice symmetry to that. 
Um, and uh, Eric Roberts is just one of those guys that you see him, and there's just something about him. He's 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 enigmatic. He's very watchable. Um, and it was it was pretty incredible to see that in real life, or to see this you know this Hollywood guy uh, go from kind of joshing around with the crew and being friendly and everything, and then you you say action and boom, he goes. And it's just like you, th- th- there's a difference there than with people that don't work in the industry, you know, almost every day of their life. Um, and I will say that um, Ayoka also helped us land uh, land all the other actors in the film, uh, including our lead actor, Kirk Krauss, who's been in True Detective. Um, he's uh, worked with uh, a bunch of big actors and with obviously Kerry Fukunaga um, from True Detective. So he's, uh, he's his own uh, great screen presence in his own right. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him in more movies. And I'm, and it was, he was an absolute pleasure to work with, and, and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, here in the next few weeks when we screen the movie in other places. So did that rest any of those fears and in, in, in speak to any of the intimidation that you anticipated about working with named talent? Is it something that you would jump to do again, or what did it teach you? Yeah, I think I, I definitely want to again because, like I said, there is – there is a language, there's a um, immediacy that you get that you don't necessarily get when when you're working with, with amateur actors. And I've worked with fantastic actors that have, you know, uh, tremendous amounts of experience. So I'm not saying that he's, he's better uh, or anything like that. Um, but there is a shorthand that I've had, I have had with other actors, but, um, but I had with him that, you know, is kind of built in, you know, you're going to get it. Um, and that was really great. And also, um, just the stories, just the the experience that he draws from, um, and I really did learn something from him. He he, um, we were shooting a scene and um, or shooting a take, and uh, I was gonna let him and um, and Kurt just kind of work it out a little bit um, through the takes. So I was actually gonna roll on a few takes uh, of them kind of working it out. And uh, Eric stopped me and he said, no, let's really make this a moment. Uh, and so we kept talking about it. <clears throat> and that was the first time I'd have heard that phrase in that way. Uh, and since then, that really helped me understand movies a little bit better And that movies are a collection uh, or a great scene or a great movie. Well, a great movie is a collection of great scenes and a great scene is a collection of moments. Uh, and it's the director's responsibility to make sure that these moments are happening, that we're not all just showing up and hitting the red button and going home at the end of the day. So, again, that's the kind of language, kind of this old Hollywood language that I wouldn't have been um, exposed to, that uh, it's it's just beautiful. And it's these people have been doing this for so long, and there's a reason that great movies um, get made. It's because people that love what they're doing, um, you know, work hard at it and, and develop things like that. So there's... Yes, I, I would love to to work with uh, all sorts of talent, um, but especially established talent that I can learn from and basically steal uh, words from them. So there was a, a an American historical event that I thought of as I was watching this movie, and, and it, it's the Columbine shooting from the late 1990s. And this was a time when you and I were teenagers. We were in our mid-teens, and, and this was happening while we were in 
high school, and and I know that you're a big fan of the Gus Van Sant movie Elephant, which is sort of an interpretation of those historical events, but I wonder if that was something that you thought about, and if Columbine itself was an event that had any sort of lasting impact on you personally. Yeah, um, it's it's so funny. I mean, as a movie nerd, uh, I would I remember sitting in homeroom um, before Columbine happened, and you know there would be movies like Masterminds uh, with Patrick Stewart, where it'd be like basically Die Hard in a high school, uh, where terrorists come in and high school kids fight them off. And I remember vividly, like you know, my mind wandering. I probably watched Die Hard with a Vengeance the night before on loop. Uh, and I remember sitting in the home room and just like imagining like, oh man, I bet you could like pop up that ceiling tile over there and crawl away if the terrorists came in over here. And so this kind of like fun action movie idea in high school. And then a few years later, Columbine happened and it was that, that the whiplash effect of, oh, right. Real life is terrible. Um, so there's that balance of when I, when I make a movie, I want it to be fun. I want it to be an experience that, I mean, I think, you know, if, if I, if I ever directed anything like Die Hard, I would probably just quit because it's so great. And it's, it's the ultimate movie. Um, but also, you know, once you get on the set and you're starting to talk to people and you're starting to really get into the character, there's a certain point where you feel like making this pure escapism, making this fun isn't, it's not doing justice to the material. Um, so yeah, I think, I think this story actually probably started more a little bit like a, uh, a genre thriller kind of thing and turned a little bit more into a character drama. Um, as we worked more and more on the script and about what the character felt. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't think we ever, you know, spoke about Columbine or, or honestly, you know, school or, or youth shootings and i mean there was just recently a church shooting which is kind of horrifying um uh, in in you know in contrast to this movie uh we didn't really talk a whole lot about that other than let's not make let's make sure that we're not you know um sensationalizing anything um but just kind of being true to the characters being true to the situation and how we feel it would um it would play out so i'm curious what do you do with a short movie now that it's made? You've premiered it, and people have seen it on on Vimeo in some cases, and you can push it digitally. And, and I just wonder now, is, is it festivals? Is it YouTube? What do you do now that you have this completed short film that you want to show off and you want to share people and, and share your talents and your, your casting crews and show what they're capable of? It's a big part of your resume now. How do you get it seen, and what exactly do you want to do with it? Well, if it was up to me, I'd probably just let it sit there because <laughs> I'm pretty bad at um, at being a producer uh, for for that kind of for I'm a bad salesperson. Um, so, but thankfully, um, the way we kind of worked was I, um, you know, Jeremy worked hard during production, but I was kind of the workhorse and 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 really try to steer the ship and 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 drive things home and and really. Um, get the work done. Uh, and then as soon as editing was completed and we had a final cut, I basically gave him that and, uh, and relaxed. Um, you know, I also had a, a new baby at home, so that, that was almost a necessity at that point. But, um, he 
since then, he has put in a tremendous amount of work and effort and and, and uh, all sorts of resources into um, getting the movie out there. We've submitted to a, n- a number of festivals, um, and that's that's kind of the first line of you know of strategy is festivals in our region, so south southeastern film festivals, uh, and then from there, you know, if we get some traction, they're expanding to bigger film festivals um, as they become uh, available to us. Um, you know, we've talked about you know, the permanent home maybe being online somewhere. But uh, we've also talked to uh, some folks about maybe monetizing it, you know, um, as a part of an international shorts program kind of thing. And stuff like that is out there. So uh, it's kind of whatever presents itself, but our kind of, you know, brass tack strategy is first festivals, then maybe distribution uh, monetized, and then, you know, let it sit online. And like I said, if not for Jeremy, uh, Dead Saturday would probably be sitting on YouTube with the rest of my other shorts. The movie screening at Druid City Brewing Company this weekend. You'll have a couple of opportunities to see the movie in Tuscaloosa this Saturday starting around 6 o'clock, and there will be a Q&A there too. You should also look out for the movie at future festivals, including sidewalks. So be aware of the scheduling there as soon as it's announced and check out Dead Saturday. Ben Sartre, good luck. Hope to see you there. Thanks a lot. Thank you.